good time. For a good time. For a good time. For a good time. Opium, Chiaroscuro, and Bad Wigs. Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast in today's episode of For a Good Time. I am Isabel Arf. And I'm Juan Barkeen. And today we watched um, a film by a little known filmmaker um, named Jimmy Boy L. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him. He uh, This is his only film, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it came out in 1976. It's called Nine Lives of a Wet Pussy. And Juan... Can you reveal this joke to everybody who's listening? So, surprise, surprise, the man only directed one film because he dropped that name almost immediately and became the man you know as Abel Ferrara. Ferrara, Acclaimed filmmaker and certified terrible, not terrible human being, like crazy human being. Let's yeah, say. crazy. Not, not terrible. I feel like not terrible. Yeah. Or I don't know yet. I don't Who knows? Maybe we'll get yeah. some kind of accusation eventually. Let's yeah. not be presumptive about any man <laughs> in the world. Exactly. Objectively. <laughs> but, um, but we can be objective about this film because objective <laughs> critiques of art exist. Of course. Objectively. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is his first film. This is Abel Ferrara's first film before he had made um, Driller Killer, which was his first mainstream film, right? Yep. And well, not mainstream, but his first non-pornographic film. Yes. And it was just, uh, or not just re-released. Uh, it was re-released a few years ago uh, with a lovely restoration by Vinegar Syndrome on Blu-ray. Um Props to so we're nothing syndrome. if not simps. I know, honestly. Syndrome. I spend so much money on Vinegar Syndrome sales. I'm <laughs> we're just little... going to end up reviewing all of their like movies. Pretty much everything I already own from them is going to get reviewed at some point or another. I am a little oh, heartbroken. 100%. I did not get the slip cover, which puts a giant X frame over the poster, which is just like the main actress looking kind of hot and erotically towards the camera but anyway yeah um you know it's one of my favorite um slip covers i have from them which one it's a terrible film but it's orgy of the dead by ed wood oh i'm so jealous yes yeah that's a real good pretty. slip cover <laughs> you know it's, buy stuff it's worth at- the cost because yeah. you shouldn't buy it for the movie no no you shouldn't which is just like <laughs> like burlesque dancing with uh like weird interludes every like 10 minutes so it's an ed wood movie uh <laughs> it's a it's a it's a later period ed wood movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um but yeah so you know go we'll definitely talk about ed wood at a later time because... go buy vinegar syndrome stuff <laughs> yeah get us a sponsorship you all, you all got your stimulus check like just put in the notes like hey i am here because of for a good time yes please actually please do that like if they get a bunch of those i'm sure that would actually help <laughs> I'd love that. But so back to Abel Ferrara's porn movie. Back, back to these nine pussies. Yeah. So. Which, uh, what a title for a movie that is not, I don't I don't know what happened in this movie. <laughs> it's been days <laughs> since I watched it, and I still don't totally understand if there was an actual plot to this movie or not. <laughs> or maybe it attempted yeah, to have one I, or multiple <laughs> it seemed definitely like there was like okay someone knew what they were trying to do with this yes i don't though no. i have no fucking clue precisely um, because it's about this woman who has a lot of sex and so did her grandmother 
And one of the people that this woman had sex with was a woman named, unfortunately, Gypsy. Mm -hmm. And Gypsy wants her back and gives us an overview of this woman's sexual um, history, adventures, (laughs) history. And eventually it ends. And that's the movie. Yeah, pretty much. It is. uh, So (laughs) it opens up really, really like fascinatingly because it just opens up with like a sex scene right off the bat. And it's really like very well shot really erotic it's like just body rubbing breast rubbing like in close-ups like oral sex in like extreme close-up it Mm -hmm. throws you straight in and there's this really really great jazzy score along with it but at the same time you start realizing that like maybe watching someone suck a dick in close-up for minutes on end with like little to no shift in camera work Mm -hmm. almost like ends up obscuring the act (laughs) yeah yeah no i I completely get what you mean (laughs) and it's like it is a fascinating way to watch a porn movie because it's almost like there are times while watching nine lives of a wet pussy where it's not particularly erotic do you mean the entire film yeah i yeah yeah <laughs> like like this movie is not a sexy film if I, if I like if I had plunked down my hard-earned money and went to a porno theater to see this with the intent of jerking off to it like is my god-given right in a porno theater of course um sidetrack <laughs> y- remember when this this, is, this will be relevant remember when um Pee-wee Herman not actual Pee-wee Herman the guy who played Pee-wee Herman got arrested for jerking off in a porno theater Yes. That is so weird to I me. Know. Like I remember even like like the first time I heard it, I was like, wait, A, that's illegal question mark. B, what else are you supposed to do in a porno theater besides like either that or sucking someone's dick? Yeah, that's like, what they're there for. <laughs> yeah. I I would be way more upset if I like went into a porno theater and there's someone just sitting there like serenely and quietly just observing the film. That feels like I mean that would be us to be fair with this podcast. I was about to say But it thing. feels <laughs> It, it it feels more wrong. That's not true. I would take, like, someone with me to sit next to me just so I could, like, casually stroke them while paying attention to the movie. So, like, that I look like I Yeah, you can, you can do both. Yeah. Like, I don't need it to pay totally attention fair. to just jack someone off. That's fine. But, um, <laughs> justice, <laughs> justice for Paul Rubens. Yeah, 100% point. justice for Paul Rubens. Um, but yeah, if, if I had gone into this film, into a porno theater, and was attempting to do my God-given right... I would be disappointed. Same. Because it really... Again, I think it is fascinating to watch this movie as... Especially in the context of Ferrara's career. Exactly. Specifically in the context of Ferrara's career. Because it's so... (laughs) It's like him, but also not him. Not him. At all. Yeah. Um, No, 100%. Because you can see little pieces here and there where you're like, oh, that shot is it very much a shot he would do later or, Oh, this subject matter, I get what he's going for. Or like, Oh, this kind of exploitation vibe, this makes sense. Or lo- like the kind of New Yorkness of the whole thing. Yeah. You can see those little pieces, but that's like <laughs> not the predominant like mode of the film. No, it's the predominant mode of the film is like kind of flat look, um, kind of th- this, this really weird, uh, 
The last thing I want to talk about is this in relation to Miss 45, because I think it's fascinating and very illustrative of how he changed later yes, on. 100%. Yeah. But I think that it is... That's the way to say this. It, like, <laughs> like you said, it, it, it is fascinating to watch as that artifact. If I didn't have that context, I don't think I would have enjoyed it particularly much. Yeah, I would say the same thing. But I do think looking at it as like a career piece or like if you play this in a retrospective i think it would be really interesting to discuss in depth alongside yeah, some of his other works it reminds me a lot of uh when francis ford coppola did like nudie pics yes exactly we're like they're not very good you but if you like francis ford coppola they're very much worth watching because you can see little pieces here and there we're like oh that's a really interesting shot or that's an interesting way to do this action or block these actors and i can see those those little aspects come in yeah, 100%, which if you ever decide to go buy Kino Lorber's Nudie Cuties box set, one of his <laughs> films is included. Fun facts of Ooh. the day. I know. I love I giving actually know people that. recommendations. <laughs> I need to buy their, uh, they released a set somewhat recently that was like, uh, like I think like, like Yiddish filmmakers Ooh. in like America, I want to say. And it just seemed really, really fascinating. Like it's a, like an area of film i have i know nothing about yeah and what a cool topic i love but so 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 this is a bunch of little scenes kind of self-contained scenes that are really only linked by this overarching story of gypsy and it's so odd because gypsy basically entirely exists to lay in her room and explain things but also without actually explaining it like it's just She's just giving a direct address to the camera about, but it's not helpful. It's <laughs> no, fascinating. It's like, like, like it almost feels like like it was put in after the fact to connect yes. these scenes. But then you're like, but you're not connecting them. Like I don't understand what is going on. at all. And I believe the lead actress who plays Pauline is actually or was Abel Ferrara's girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I read, he actually had to sub in on a scene um, yes. because the actor just didn't show up on work. And I do appreciate someone who's like truly willing to just jump into us. Like, it's like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to fuck my girlfriend because I've just got to get the job done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it reminds me almost a lot of like Roger Corman films at the time. Yes. Like it's a little more low budget, uh, but it is the same thing of like, hey, you need to get this done. I don't really give a shit what happens in it. Like, that's actually one of my favorite stories whenever I hear anything about Roger Corman films, especially, like, in the 60s and 70s. He'd be like, hey, it needs to have these things. You need to have boobs this amount of time. <laughs> and besides that, just fucking go. You can do whatever you want, because I don't really care. Yeah, just work. Um, <laughs> yeah, which lets... I th- like, that's how you get targets, is that exact thing. It's true. Um, which is a really fascinating film. And that's how... I mean, that's how we get James Cameron, or uh, was it... I want to say was what what was it um Coppola who got like a start working on there? there there's a lot of people who did like working on oh yeah Coppola uh, definitely did work on Corman stuff yeah and so did so did Scorsese yeah I mean a lot of directors just started in like trashy pictures exploitation pictures like porn it's that's that's I mean if it, that it's would a be great my place dream, to start yeah that would be my dream way to start filmmaking honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, in America, you're not allowed to stay there or you're not allowed to go back and forth, which is one of the things I really love about Pinku film is that you can just kind of do whatever you like. You can do both. Those industries are not as 
like harshly cut between as they are here. Yeah. Um, but you know what is harshly cut between these scenes in Nine Lives of a Wedding? <laughs> Jesus Christ! So, so <laughs> let's say so, let's say something nice. What is your favorite scene? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the thing is, I think because I know what my least favorite scene is. I but... know what my least favorite scene is too, and I think we both <laughs> match on that one. I think <sighs> there are moments in it where it becomes almost like weirdly poetic. In the way it films sex. And I think those are the most exciting moments. And I would say the best showcase of that is on the main woman-on-woman scene, which is, like, preceded by, like, a vaguely racist address by Gypsy, where she's talking about, like, how (laughs) this black woman brought her black magic, and it's evil, and she's (laughs) making her jealous, and this and that. And I'm just like... This is really it's re- it's weird. Real weird. I remember, like, like when I uh, like texted you about it, you said, "Like, I literally wrote down vaguely racist." Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, vaguely racist. It's a choice. Really, it's the seventies, but like, I <laughs> still, it's like you know, like you know, with Sex World, it was one of those moments where like you had that like actively racist man. This is just really, really casually, <laughs> like, yeah, where you're like. Hmm. I don't think you're trying to do this thing, but you also are doing this thing, and it's it's weirding me out. Not because yeah. it, it, it's, it's like a vibes thing, if that makes sense. Exactly. So wait, that was my favorite scene. What's your favorite scene? It was actually, um, I think the last scene where it's just like two people on a bed, and there's like that really that really nice lighting coming through. Where oh, it almost yes. looks like painterly. Uh, it and funny enough, like the immediate thing I thought of was like Peter Greenaway. Ooh. Where I was like, oh, like like there's this this composition, and it feels like I'm seeing a painting that's moving right now. And we will also talk about Peter Greenaway at some point because oh, 100%. I, I love the man, and he has a lot of horny things happening that in his does. movies. God bless him. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, no, I, that was. I, one I really of the best. really liked how that was shot. It's gorgeous. Again, there's yeah. there's the movie oscillates so wildly between these really gorgeous shots and these really really poorly directed scenes where like it's just clearly someone who's never actually made porn before doesn't actually know how to shoot anything to make it look erotic and they're kind of interminable sometimes and the camera works really lazy and boring and i think the something that we talk about a lot on here is performance and something i notice about wet pussy is that there isn't a single person in there who knows how to perform to a camera in any sexual capacity <laughs> whatsoever yes. especially the lead who looks like she's asleep during every yes, single it's sex so scene. weird i was like i feel like i'm supposed to be engaged with this woman but like she doesn't she's the least interesting part of almost every scene she's in 100 percent. it's so weird like one of my, my friend walked in while I was watching it and just points out, like, is she supposed to be drugged? And I'm like, no, that's just how she naturally looks. She just, she's sleepy all the time. And I just, for me, it's like, even when I've done, like, like you know, like, I've recorded myself, like, having sex before. Like, who hasn't? Um, But, like, <laughs> even in, like, those shitty videos, you acknowledge the existence of a camera to some extent. Like, yeah. you are performing either to the camera or to the person in frame. 
there's none of that <laughs> in this movie. And it's so interesting to me to see something so void of, like, actual erotic performance. <laughs> yeah, like, usually you want the lead actress in your porno to have charisma. <laughs> yeah, but nothing. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just, it's that's why like a lot of the like space in the film feels very dead because even when like like the first scene we see of people fucking uh, well there's the dick sucking but yeah. then there's people fucking like in a stable on hay <laughs> which first of all uncomfortable wouldn't do it so uncomfortable second of all, Looks- yeah like like hay is so scratchy I don't even like like kneeling on it let alone like getting fucked in it like, I will no. say there was one point where I almost died of laughter because like a fly just floats across the screen and like lands (laughs) on her arm. And I was like, Oh sweet. Like (laughs) this is a lot. (laughs) Like they didn't even clean the stable out before they filmed this, huh? No. (laughs) (sighs) But I, uh, but at the same time, like the movie just goes for broke on like just filming in the randomest places. Like there's, there's, there's a gas station bathroom sex scene that the lead yes. up to makes no sense whatsoever. It, <laughs> no, like absolutely none. So it's, it's basically, Cause, cause, cause <laughs> she, she's like dating like a rich guy. Yeah. And, and they go in like his nice of his car. house ever. <laughs> yes. <I've, laughs> stiffest fucking pan across a fucking garden I've ever seen in my life. But yes, they go to, yeah. From his stable to the gas station, like in his big ass car to a gas station, <laughs> and then she's she's very attracted to the uh, the station boy, and he meets her in the bathroom and they fuck, and she comes back, but like, it takes him like 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 ten minutes to fuck, and the entire time I'm like, what is the husband doing? Like, is he just chilling out there for ten minutes? Yeah, I don't, qu- <laughs> I don't quite know what's going on here. Well, it's like, and it- just that that whole scene is like that scene actually reminded me of something that I thought was really interesting, which is like when you watch older, f- like, like, or when I go into a like a gas station bathroom right now, and it clearly hasn't been like redone since the seventies. I'm like, oh, this looks old, but when you see it in like this film, it's like, oh, that was not old then. Yeah, and it's a, it's like a really weird contextualizing of this other aesthetic that seems so far and distant from me. That was the most interesting thing in that scene to me. <laughs> What's well, like, like? Oh, <laughs> this this green paint is not something any human would choose outside of like 1972. No, not but at it's all. here. Yeah, and I do think <laughs> I do actually kind of love that scene just because watching the two of them fuck and the way they move around was just like. It was like it was truly comic because not only <laughs> is it just like him like taking her from position to position in like any which way he wants, but like it also keeps cutting back to the husband sitting in the car. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny and like the delivery of like all the monologues that come in accompaniment of it just are so so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and it like like again it really like veers into that level of camp where like like gypsy just like talking about like this weird mysticism while this other woman's fucking and like bringing yeah, out the tarot and smoking opium yeah and like that's uh, uh, <laughs> like i don't i again no idea what was going on but it's really entertaining to watch something so like incompetently crafted while also <laughs> having brief flashes of genius. 
<laughs> yeah, I agree. The, the the scene that didn't have any brief flashes of genius, no. however, was the scene where so so there's this this father, and he's in, and he's with uh, our lead's grandmother, who is just our lead, <laughs> but but she's young at this point. She is so like a, like a no like sense. a young adult, <laughs> and. And they're reading the story because they're they're very biblical. They're very religious family. They're reading the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and and get to the point where Lot fucks his daughters. Or rather, the daughters get uh, Lot drunk and they fuck him. And the two daughters are like, huh, I got an idea. And they get their dad drunk. Their dad who is wearing the worst wig I've ever seen. Oh my god, it's so bad. I love it. It's so bad. It looks like you took like a, like a costume wig and then poured baby powder on it to make it yeah, look white. That's literally it's so it. weird. <laughs> And um, they get him very drunk, drag him back to the bed, and then suck his dick and fuck him while he's, like, passed out. Which, besides the fact that every part of that is problematic, whatever. We're we're a porn podcast. We can... I said a bunch of things last episode that are problematic. That's fine. Sure. I could, I could vibe with it if it was shot well or, like, there had a point to it. But they just, like, suck his dick for, like, what feels like an eternity. And then they fuck him for what feels like an eternity... And then it ends. And there's yeah. not a single beautiful image in that shitty apartment that they shoot the whole thing in. No, there's nothing. And it's it's so weird to see a movie that has like, you know, the first the first act is, you know, it's fine. Like, yeah, it's a little boring, but like, it's sure competent. That last scene really works. And then in the middle, you just get these two, like, basically two rape scenes out of out of nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, it's and it's rough. real weird. So the first rape scene is this one. The second rape scene is uh, <laughs> it is it is it is the moment where you truly see a flash of like the filmmaker that Abel Ferrara would become. Both where, yes like, and no, which is really interesting. Yes, exactly. And so it starts off. Um, it's after Gypsy says all her vaguely racist things. Um, and it establishes like this, this black woman's just running down the street. She's being chased down the street, um, by two black men. And she like runs into an apartment building. One of them like pins her down on the stairs. She like breaks a bottle or like grabs a broken bottle, cuts his face and she starts running again. And then the other guy catches her and just starts like straight up raping her on the staircase. And uh, so... (laughs) So, okay. so, so first of all, that's the best shot in the movie, unfortunately. Yes. Like, the way that that's framed, like, like with the staircase framing it and, like, the lighting in it, it's a genuinely really good shot. 100%. But, but. It, it, it is surrounded by the strangest tones I've ever seen, because when... When she's first running, it almost feels like a fucking Benny Hill sketch. Yes. It is such a weird thing. I was and then- convinced the music was going to start playing. <laughs> and then it turns serious very quickly out of nowhere but then it turns to like porn again yeah. where like as she's being raped it's clearly like that exploitation kind of rape like like I spit on your grave yes. where it's like well the, this is yes it's a sexual assault but the point of this is an exploitation movie so we're going to make it so that you could still jerk off to it if you wanted to which is fucking gross yes. and <laughs> but but and then it just kind of ends without any like resolution not at all just, it just pivots no. directly back to girl on girl <laughs> yeah it's really it's really jarring and strange and the thing i find really fascinating about it like as i was watching it i was actually mentioning this to my partner where i was like he this is the guy that made miss 45 yes which 
For people who haven't seen that film or don't know the premise of it, it is about a woman who is mute and she is sexually assaulted twice in one day, which is rough. And she decides to start killing men because of that and goes on like this beautiful killing spree of just the worst fucking people you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And it's it's great. It's one of my favorite movies ever. And I think it's also... A, it's the best rape revenge film I've ever seen. Not even I close. Agree. 100% um, would agree. It's definitely the best depiction of sexual assault I've seen by a man. Uh, I And it might be my favorite film that involves that as like a plot point. Um, it's very broad for me to say, so I don't want to say it definitively. But I'm almost certain that's true because... In that film, the thing that works so well for me for it is that Ferrara is very attuned to exactly what is going through this woman's head, and it's not exploitative, is the funny thing. Like, a lot of the later violence is exploitative, and a lot of the, like, like setup for it, and the fact that she wears this amazing nun's outfit for, like, the final scene, and puts on this awesome makeup... Uh, but when you actually get to the sections where the sexual assaults are happening and when she thinks of them later, they are not really exploitative. They are clearly like terrifying and not meant to be something you could jerk off to. They are meant to be something that is horrifying and awful. And I, I kind of knew I liked Miss 45 from the moment it started because the first scene in it is um, her and her friends uh, from work walking down the street and being catcalled and it feels assaultive. It feels like upsetting mm-hmm. and not just, oh, like this is like, you know, just something that women do with like, oh, it's it's fun. It's like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's like, no, it feels genuinely upsetting and uncomfortable. And then obviously it continues from there and the sexual assaults feel the same way. And there's just little details during it that speak to an understanding of the subject that isn't shown in this scene at all. At all. Like the, this, the scene I always point to in Miss 45, because it's one of my favorite examples of this, is um, the first time uh, that she's raped in that film. Uh, she's raped in an alley over a garbage can. Um, I've definitely got to put a content warning on this now that I'm thinking about yep. it, but we'll do that in the episode description. Um, she's raped over a garbage can. And then later on, her boss like gets mad at something. I forget exactly what happens. But he like kicks a garbage can or like puts the lid on it really loudly. And she immediately like freezes up and she like doesn't know what to do. And uh, she likes to like leave more or less right away. And it's the kind of thing like, I mean, it's the word has been ruined by dickheads on the internet, but it's a trigger. And it immediately makes her think of this awful thing that happened to her. And it's not treated as like a, she's overreacting. It's treated as like, a, of course she feels this way. Like, of course this thing like other people don't understand it because they didn't have this experience and she hasn't been able to like speak to it at all um, or tell anybody about it. But it is such a like, like, like it's forcing an amount of empathy and intimacy on the viewer in the, this headspace and what this might do to a person and how like sexual assault affects a person that I like as a survivor of sexual assault, I found very, very like moving genuinely. And this film is not that. Not at all. It's very weird. Like, I don't want to say, like, it's hard to reconcile, like, one film with the other. But at the same time, it is, I mean, like you said, it is weirdly, like, one of the best shot (laughs) scenes in the movie. But it's, like, the level of, like, explicit detail with which the rape scene in Nine Lives is shot 
paired with like this very like the upbeat jazzy score just makes no sense with the kind of filmmaker he would become down the road with Miss 45, which is a lot more sensitive, I guess. Yeah. Especially like the fact that like in that, like that stairwell shot, he keeps cutting away from that to have like an underside shot of like the penis going in the like vagina. And it is such a strange choice because that is such an obviously porny shot that it's not appropriate to the scene, but also the fact that it takes away from like her face and his face, which obviously show the act as being not consensual, and mm-hmm. it makes it into something different. It, it like decontextualizes the act from the like the physical act from the mental act. It's very very strange, and it's one of those shots that you only put in because you got to finish this film, and they wanted a porno, and you got this scene in there, and it's got to look like a porno. Yeah. The end. Yeah, it's a little rough. I mean, it's not weird. a little rough. It's, it's definitely, like, the worst part of the film. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, that and the, the, the lot knockoff is really... Yeah. It's, again, it just makes no sense to make both of those almost your centerpiece in a film yeah. that... Yeah. Because, like, I mean... <laughs> In, in, in like any porn film with like different sections the thing people always remember is like the most taboo or extreme one yes and so if you're doing this kind of a anthology almost porn film you should probably treat those ones with a little more care than the other ones but especially like the like the lot one feels like it was treated with the least amount of care which is just yeah it's weird but again um, a lot of this just kind of feels like put together as like a gig yeah it, and it, like, it's you not know, the same project he would have later on. Not at all. Like even Driller Killer is a a step yeah, up. Like, like, Driller Killer has like style. Driller yeah. Killer has like a point of view. It's a very strange one, and <laughs> it has its issues. But it has. It's clearly like there's a person making this who has an idea of what he's trying to get across. Whereas this does not really feel like that. No, it does not. But at the same time, I do love watching a woman writhe against a weird white light that <laughs> I have, I truly there. So like the film just like randomly throws in these shots of just like Pauline quite literally like rolling around against like, uh, I don't like just a white light and it's gorgeous. I love looking at it. It reminds me a lot of like, just like a shitty, simple, like nudie cutie kind of situation. But like, again, the movie is just so fractured in its identity <laughs> That I, uh, I have no idea what, what to, how, like, how, how do you even, how do you describe so, Nine Lives of a Wet Pussy? It's just a fucking mess, but is it's a sometimes pretty mess, and it's a sometimes really fucking ugly mess. I will say the thing that I found most interesting about that is there's a parallel to a film that it's not possible for this to be a parallel of, like, I'd be... I'd be fucking blown away if that if Abel Ferrara had seen Catch My Soul, um, which is another film released by Vinegar Syndrome, one of their not porn films, which is a musical that is like a hippie adaptation of Othello. It's real weird. I highly recommend it. That sounds but, fascinating already. Yeah. And it's directed by Patrick McGowan, which is also weird. And Richie Havens is starring in it. There's a lot of things going on. But uh, there's like a hippie commune and they have a bus that they all ride around in. But if you go inside the bus, it's just just this pure white light. Um, 
in, in like the same kind of just empty white space, like infinite empty white space that is just so like, like was that just a thing in the seventies that was on people's minds or like somehow did like, like did catch my soul really influence Abel Ferrar or what is, I I don't know, but I think it's a really strange kind of parallel. I love that. I can't, I'm and this is like, <laughs> I'm going to look that up immediately. I do like that yeah. today has just, this episode is just recommendations for other movies to watch <laughs> from Vinegar Syndrome and Kino. Yeah. <laughs> um, but do we have anything else to say about Nine Lives of What Pussy? I mean, I'm very glad that Abel Ferrara became a much better filmmaker than this. Same. Um, but yeah, so that concludes our discussion <laughs> of Nine Lives of What Pussy. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Uh, if you want to contact the podcast, we are at For a Good Time on Twitter. Sorry, For a Good Time Pod on Twitter, and at For a Good Time Pod at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to email us for my own personal stuff. I have my main Twitter, which is at Space Jam Fan. At some point in time, I really want to change that. But the problem is now I have all these podcasts where that is listed as my like <laughs> URL. So I feel like I'm just fucked. And like, that's going to be my, like, I made it a joke in 2012. And now that is just my life is being the Space Jam fan. I don't even like Space Jam that much. It's, it's a good movie, but it's not. I like mean, that. I just <laughs> kind of adore that for you, though. When the meme this, becomes this curse reality, <laughs> um, so you can find me at Space Jam at, at Space Jam Fan. You can also find my Not Safe for Work Twitter, um, which is not very professional. It's just either me reblogging porn or me posting pictures of my tits. Um, at Enion's Girl Dick, that is Enion, like the deity in William Blake's, uh, you know, fictional pantheon. Not that anyone gives a shit. And yeah, Juan, where can people find you? Um, so you can find me on Twitter, Letterboxd, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, everything. Um, at Whoa, it's Juanito, W-O-A-H, it's Juanito. You can also find my writing on, like, New Times and Hyperallergic and other places. Um, and, like, just DM me for nudes or whatever. I don't really care. Send me a message <laughs> on Grinder, Scruff. Um, I love, I love attention. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Juan's presentation. Yes. Thank you um, for coming to my TED Talk. Um, so next week, I guess we should talk about what's happening then. Yes. I can't wait to hear what you're going to tell me we're going to listen to next. <laughs> or watch to, next, I mean, not listen to. Whatever. I mean, who knows? We're going to do read. all sorts Anything of, could happen. Yeah. yeah. It's going to get wild up in here. <laughs> So what we're going to do next time is actually not quite a like piece of media. It's actually going to be a, not quite an interview, but, but something I researched, which is to give you a very short version of it. I found a community of people, uh, mostly trans women, who have a kink, which is uh, like Trump voters, MAGA people specifically, dominating them and forcing them to become conservative. And there's a lot of also saying and doing transphobic stuff to them. And I stumbled across this just because I am someone who trawls right-wing internet quite a bit because A, I want to know like what they're talking about, what they're doing in case like it ends up being shitty later. And that way I have like stuff ahead and I can tell people about it. And also just because I have brain worms, the same reason I fucking read like (laughs) Rod Dreher and shit like that. That's terrible and I hate, but I just can't stop myself. 
Um, but yeah, I, I did some interviews with some of those people. Uh, I just kind of reached out and was like, hey, like, do you want to, like, would you be willing to answer some questions? And some of them were. Obviously, some of them were like, I'm really here to jerk off. So no, which is fair. I get it. But uh, we're going to kind of just discuss those and discuss kind of like what I learned and how we both feel about that. Uh, like the kind of levels of that kind of degradation, whether it goes too far and just like, I guess, the ethics of it. And whether, I mean, we also say whether we find it hot. I don't think either of us do, but we'll get to it. Yeah, we will. It's a very unique episode. Cool. I'm excited. (laughs) So until next time. Thanks for calling.